Good morning, everybody. I've got a question for you. Have you come with a good voice? That's fantastic, isn't it? So we're just going to have a few quick notices before we start, and then we'll worship with our voices as well as any other way you want to go for. So, yeah, wonderful. That behind our masks, we'll be able to sing today. At the front, the government says, and Elim headquarters says, that we don't have to wear the masks. So there's still a big distance. So if you've got any questions about it, there's a big distance between us at the front and you, and there's lots of ventilation going on. Uh, but that's all what the government says in Elim headquarters as well. So we're going to stick with that. But have a chat with me if you're feeling uh, that you want to about that. Uh, Pre-COVID, our services would tend to finish about 12.30 uh, p.m. And, uh, but on Zoom, it's been around noon, 5 past 12, 12-ish. But August time, now we're going to just go a bit further, a bit longer. So probably 10 past quarter past 12. So if you're looking uh, at the clock... And you can't because it's behind you. But if you look at your watch and you sort of think, oh, it's 10 past 12. They haven't finished yet. It's just because we're going a bit longer now, just because we're getting back to how it was before. Uh, 15th of August, 29th of August, we're going to have Zoom only. So next week and two weeks after that. But then hopefully from the 5th of September, we're going to stop Zoom and it's going to be physical services every week. Evening service starts this evening. Hooray! I'm looking forward to that. It starts at six o'clock. All of you are welcome. It's going to be great. Uh, today we're going to have a short series of talks that start today on the book of Esther. So if you want to know about Esther, we'll be learning about her and her family this week and the two in September. And we're going to be singing five wonderful hymns as well. Again, beyond our masks, but we'll be singing some great hymns this evening. Uh, two more things. There's no house group tomorrow because it's uh, having a rest until the 6th of September. And as always, all these things are on our website because it's updated very often. And so lots of things we don't say are on there. And always it would tend to be up to date. So that's a good thing too. I'm going to read something from Psalm 100. This is one of my favorite psalms, and I thought it was really appropriate for today. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. That's brilliant. One more thing I meant to say with the notices. I'm not going to have a steward telling us how to get out now. It's just leave when you want to. But before one o'clock, because we'd, we'd like to have left before one o'clock. But it's just being sensible, isn't it, really? If people you know don't want to be close to others we just respect what other people want to do but we don't have to be fearful about things do we we can know that the god is with us and he loves us so that was something i forgot to say earlier so enter his courts with joyfulness we're going to pray and then we're going to sing praise is rising eyes are turning to you lord we thank you that you're alive that we can trust you that you are here and you're down the road where the other churches are, and you're up the street where the other churches are, and we're all praising you because you are wonderful, and we love you, Lord. Thank you that as we uh, open our lungs and our diaphragm to you today, Lord, we want to do it with gusto. So thank you, Lord, that what we could, could do on our own at home, we can do together again. Lord, we praise you that you're with us. Amen. Amen. So let's sand and sing behind our masks. Praise is rising.
verse 3 from the voice says know this the eternal one himself is the true God he is the one who made us we have not made ourselves we are his people like sheep grazing in his fields we are so thankful God that you love us and have adopted us into your family we are your people we put you again at the center of our lives. We reposition ourselves to make you Lord. We're sorry when we've wanted everything to revolve around ourselves. Today, in the weeks ahead, you must increase and we must decrease. We want to actively seek you first in our lives. We're sorry when we've made excuses about this in the past. Following your example, Help us not to give up on other people through the, through the way their words and actions might offend us. As you keep on loving and encouraging us in our failings, help us to truly do this, that with others. Thank you that we can put our hope in you. When we're tired, exasperated or overworked, we can put our hope in you. When all in life is going well, and everything is fitting into place in a joyful way, then we still choose to put our hope in you, Jesus. Thank you for the recent testimonies of several Olympic athletes who talked about the centrality of God in their lives to reporters after they'd competed. 
We pray for those who are suffering from the effects of enormous wildfires in Greece, Turkey and America. We know that many thousands of people have been negatively affected. Please have mercy on them. Will you please give them hope for the future? We know that the United Nations Climate Change Conference, COP26, will be held in Glasgow in less than three months' time. As leaders of nations and climate experts and campaigners meet to decide on macro policies, help us to play our significant part in making the Earth a better planet to live on too. We're sorry that many of the problems that the Earth faces are due to our selfishness and the tendency to want things to make life much easier than our parents and grandparents thought of as normal. Help us to make a difference in our borough and in the way we live our lives. Psalm 100 verse 2, Amplified Bible says, Serve the Lord with gladness and delight. Come before his presence with joyful singing. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that none of the churches in Neneaton have closed in the past 18 months. Thank you that each part of your body has intentionally stayed open and have simply adapted to the new situations we've found ourselves in and haven't hibernated when things were difficult. Thank you, God, for all the church ministers in our town. Will you bless them all as we continue to adapt to further new changes in the coming months? We want to serve and worship well. Please lead us in these things. We need your anointing on our local leaders, God. We know that your kingdom is not simply about talk, but about powerful regeneration through you and life-changing reconciliation because of you. We strongly desire things happening in our borough where we can exclaim, it could only be God that made that happen. We look to you and your strength in this. When we think of your lavish love towards us and to all people, we are overwhelmed. We are so grateful for accepting us as your children and for the way that you have changed us so far. We give you our lives. Amen. So again, we can stand and sing if you want to or sit if you prefer. We're going to sing in Christ alone. Just again, focusing on God and saying, yes, it's all because of you. You're where our hope comes from, God. And then after this, this, Nick's going to come and speak. He's not here. We know that, Maggie, don't we? But he's going to appear on the, on the wall. And uh, it's going to be brilliant what he has to say. So let's sing in Christ alone. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are filled. Striving cease, my comforter, my all in all. Here in the love of Christ, I stand. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in. of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save, till on the cross where Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied, for every sin on him was laid, here in the death of Christ I lay. Ground 
his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain. As we stand in victory, since Jesus lost its grip on me, for I am His and He is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. in the resurrection 2,000 years ago, but at work in us today and around the world today. Lord, we thank you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So I'm going to listen to Nick now. He's still, uh, like we've been doing in July and August, we're thinking about Elijah. And so he's going to be uh, talking a little bit about uh, Elisha, but he talks about Elijah as well. So it'll be good to hear what he has to say. Good morning. I'm resorting today to old-fashioned old, old bits of paper, so uh, forgive me if I keep getting lost. We're going to look at the end of 1 Kings 19, and to do that we need to look at the start of 1 Kings 19. This, to me, is one of the key chapters of the Old Testament, not just because it's about Elijah, but because it's really very foundational in my personal understanding of a human relationship with God, how God treats us and how we should treat him, particularly in a time of crisis or a time of great difficulty. And that's what happens to Elijah in this chapter. Remember that in Matthew 17, we have the picture of the transfiguration where Jesus is on the mountain and two figures appear, Moses and Elijah. Now these clearly represent, uh, in the minds of the New Testament writers, the, the law and the prophets. So who is there to represent the law but Moses? And who is chosen, if you like, who is brought out to represent the prophets, Elijah? So we can see Elijah as being, shall we say, foremost amongst the prophets. They're brought out in Matthew 17 to show Jesus' authority, to show who Jesus is, that they are subservient to him, so the law and the prophets are subservient to Jesus. When we look at the life of Elijah, we find that he never commands God. He never suggests to God what to do. Elijah is the mouthpiece of God. He has confidence in what God has said to him, that he's passing it on. He has a relationship with God in which he can inquire of God and even ask of God. But he is the mouthpiece of God. He does not allow himself to be seen or, or presents himself as having any authority of himself. He doesn't cause or 
call out miracles. He just repeats what God is going to do. And I'm reminded a little bit of the prayer in Acts 4, when the apostles were called in before the uh, judges of the day and were told not to preach in the name of Jesus. And in their prayer, they said, For truly, in this city, they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, and they decided to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. So they're submissive to what God has done. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, whilst you stretch out your hand to heal and bring wonders and perform through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And we have a wonderful picture of true submission to God by the exercise of free will. You might want to think about that as philosophers love to think about that. But the picture is that true submission to God by the exercise of free will. And that's what we see with Elijah. And in 1 Kings 17, we have the introduction to Elijah. It's a fairly brief chapter for all that it says. But it's clear that Elijah is already known to Ahab the king. Uh, he's known as a person of power. And we see that uh, Elijah goes both to the east and to the west, that he is able to, to have authority over the whole of the area, not just Israel, but outside of Israel at all. And then we have 1 Kings 18, where there is this confrontation really between God and the prophets of Baal, uh, God spokesperson being Elijah, in which all the prophets of Baal are destroyed. So Elijah at this point is, if you like, at the top of his power uh, place. All the prophets of Baal have been destroyed. No one can stand before God. No one can stand before Elijah because he is the representative of a God. And then things change. Then we have the unexpected. Um, and this to me shows the humanity of Elijah. And to some extent is a comfort, I think, to us all that even a man who's experienced the authority of God as Elijah has done can lose confidence and, and can fail. And, and if you like, can uh, there's no other word for this. He had a nervous breakdown or uh, whatever word you want to put on it, burnt out, whatever. He basically gave up. Let's read it in what this, the start. Um, and Ahab, that's the king, told Jezebel, his wife, who was a prophetess of Baal, all that Elijah had done. In other words, killed all the prophets of Baal. Now, you think at this point she would turn and say, oh, dear, we're beaten. No, she doesn't. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. You would have thought that if this was Hollywood, Elijah would turn around and say, ah, oh, do your best. Um, we've won already. But no, what happens is this. And he was afraid. And he rose and ran for his life. So if you've got failure in your life or difficulties in your life, uh, just compare them to Elijah. After a great victory, he runs away at one threat. And, uh, and he asked that he might die, saying, it's enough now. O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. In other words, I've had enough. And he runs away and asks to die. So here is it, this prophet, the, the, the greatest prophet of the Old Testament, losing his confidence uh, in God. Now, the interesting thing now is to see how God deals with him. The first thing that God does with him is that he supports him. He sends an angel with food. 1 Kings 19.5 And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he's miraculously provided with food and uh, help. In your life, in your times of difficulty, where has God sent the angel to help you? It may not always be obvious. It could be a friend. It could be advice. It could be a doctor. It could be some help from somewhere else. But God sends us help. That was the first thing that God did, was meet his immediate need. 
The second thing that God does for him is actually to discipline him. God says to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? But there's a gentleness in this because he calls him by name. Elijah's reaction is to complain. So you've, you've just been miraculously fed by the by Almighty God. God is now challenging you and saying, what are you doing? This is a place where Elijah is that Elijah complains. He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, I only am left and they seek my life to take it away. So he complains. And God, by saying to him, what are you doing here? I think is disciplining him about you in the wrong place, Elijah, uh, both emotionally, spiritually, and physically. So, first he meets the need. Secondly, he challenges him and disciplines him. Thirdly, God meets with him. And he said, go and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great strong wind tore the mountain and broke into pieces. And the rocks fell before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the sound of the fire, a low whisper. This is one of the places where you can never forget the words of the King James Version. A still, small voice. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? Now, the difference is now is Elijah has heard God. He's gone out to meet God and he actually says exactly the same words to God. God says the same words to Elijah. What are you doing here, Elijah? And God says the same words. Elijah says the same words back to God. But I think the context was different. I think now we're seeing a repentance and Elijah now giving God a problem rather than making a complaint. God was in the still, small voice, not the shouty, loud man. In times of trouble, we should be listening for that still, small, reassuring voice in God. Our temptation is to go and look for the loud, shouty man, to look for the immediate answer, to look for something to be done. God is in the still, small voice. And then God takes his problem and equips him. 1 Kings 19.16 Elisha the son of Shabbat, you shall anoint him to be prophet in your place. Is there a sense of discipline here that God is taking away Elijah's authority, replacing him with Elisha? Not if you read the rest of the story, because Elijah goes to Elisha and Elisha becomes pretty well the servant and the helper of Elijah until Elijah is taken up to heaven in the most miraculous way. So his problem, really, I'm lonely, I'm on my own, I can't cope, is answered. I'll send you someone to help you. We'll look at the rest of the chapter in the second part. Thank you, Lord, that you don't just leave us as we are, but you take us and you love us. You show gentle discipline to us and move us forward, Lord. So, Lord, even today in our lives, will you move us forward? Help us not to be content with how we are, but to see you and how you want us to be. Amen. So we're just going to sing a couple of songs, just really reminding ourselves about how God is working in the miraculous and can do all things. 
and yet he's calling us to be close to him. Again, you can obviously sing, but stand if you want to or sit if you prefer. Give me wisdom 
mask off when you're praying out loud and just say yes Lord I know you're reigning in this situation or that situation and, and just sort of give the positivity of that thank you God that you reign on this earth thank you that you are over all that happens so in this big, big crisis for Elijah, where he's asking to die and give up, the first thing God does is to meet his immediate need, feed him, clothe him, look after him. Second thing he does is challenge him. Third thing that happens is they meet. God meets with him. Fourth thing that happens is God answers his problems, re-equips him. Fifth thing that happens is God sends him back out, back out into the world to continue with his ministry. Let's read it in 1 Kings 19 from verse 15 on. And the Lord said to him, this is to Elijah now, not to Elisha, to Elijah, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. Let's leave the names out here, just look at the principles. When you arrive, anoint the king of Syria. Syria is not part of uh, the Abrahamic covenant. If God is anointing the king of Syria, what God is saying is that he, is, he has authority over the whole world. All the kings, all the powers of the world are in his hand. And he says to Elijah, you will anoint, you go and anoint the king of Syria. Then he says, go and anoint the king of Israel. So we have, first of all, the world, and now we have Israel, the kingdom of God, or representing the church. Um, God has authority over the church and over the nations of the world. Lastly, go and anoint Elisha, the prophet. And then the interesting statement. If anybody escapes the sword of Hazel or if anybody escapes the authority of the world, then Jehu, 
the king of Israel has authority over him, will put him to death. If anyone escapes Jehu, the king of Israel, Elisha will have authority over him. And you can see how God is pointing out that his authority extends over everywhere, from the king of Syria to the king of Israel to Elisha, who was representing the voice of God. So with that command, Elijah leaves the mountain. So he departs from there and he finds Elisha, the son of Shabbat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him. 12 yoke of oxen in front of him, clearly indicating he was a very powerful, wealthy man. Because when it says 12 yoke of oxen in front of him, don't think literally there were 12. He was driving 12 yoke of oxen. Um, he has them in front of him, so they're all serving him. And it says clearly he was driving just the last one, so there's a practicality there. But it's giving an idea of the nature of Elisha, who he was. So he departed from there and found Elisha, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him, and he was with the 12th. Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him. And now we come to almost the second most important point in this, these whole stories. The first important point is our preparedness to be obedient. To, for us to see, for you and me to see how Elijah, uh, being a tremendous person that he was, he failed and we can fail. If God can use Elijah, he can use us. There's this, this human side that we, we have to be responsible for. We, we are responsible to God. And God can use us, and he can use you, no matter how much you failed or who you are, God can use you. But the second point, and he cast his cloak upon him, calling. What has God called you to do? Who has God called you to be? John the Baptist said, I must diminish so that Jesus can increase. And John the Baptist said, I can only do what God has given me to do. Here is almost... If one set of problems for us as Christians is not to accept that we can be used by God, the second set of problems is to over-exaggerate who we are, what we are, and try and be what we're not. We can only do what our calling allows us to do. Elisha, called by God, has the mantle of Elijah on him, yet never usurps Elijah, never seeks to have one up on Elijah or show everybody that he has authority, that he can keep Elijah under control or whatever doesn't ever do that. He follows Elijah until his time comes. But within his calling, so there's two sides to our Christian service, willingness to serve and serving within the calling that we have been given. And that's of God, not of us. So he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, let me kiss my father and my mother and then I will follow you. And Elijah said to him, go again, for what have I got to do with you? Which is nowhere saying, uh, it's nothing to do with me. This is between you and God. Um, you had a calling. I've just given you the calling. Um, it's up to you how you respond, is what uh, Elijah is saying to Elisha. Again, this balance between responsibility, our will, and the calling of God, God's will. But it's interesting because Elisha returned from following after Elijah and took the yoke of oxen and sacrificed them. So he's making a statement that he's giving up his old way of life. That's gone. He's giving up his power, his position. He's sacrificing uh, the, the oxen and the yoke. In other words, who he was, what he was. And boiled their flesh with the yokes of the oxen and gave it to the people to eat. The sacrifice wasn't wasted. He then arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. So he goes back to his, says, let me go and kiss my father and my mother. So he, he honours his family. He honours his friends. But he gives up his pathway of life. And it says, assisted him. He goes back and assists Elijah. He's not usurping Elijah. He's assisting him. So, what are the principles we can see here? Well, clearly we can see uh, the restoration process in in 1 Kings 9, 19. And um, 
if you're at that part of your Christian life where you've not come to a crisis like this, uh, let me assure you that you will. If you're at that stage of your Christian life where you are going through or you've been through a crisis like this, uh, these are the things to look for. Uh, the still small voice that God will meet your needs, but it's in God's timing. He will lift you up. Um, there's no, you're no worse or better than anybody else. And that those five points, again, we, we just remember those five points. The first point is that God met his immediate need through an angel, not through God's immediate hand. Now, it was miraculously done, yes, but the point is it was an angel. Where are the angels and who are the angels that God has sent to you to help you in your life? You know, there's that old story, that old missionary joke about the man who um, is shipwrecked, a missionary is shipwrecked and lands upon a, a, desert, a, a desert island in the middle of the sea and says, God, come and save me. And a boat comes up and they say, can we save you? And he says, no, God will save me. And then a second boat comes up and, and, and he says, no, God will save me. And then he dies and he gets to heaven and says, why didn't you save me? And God says, well, I sent you two boats, but, you know, you, you didn't accept them. Um, who is the angels that God sends us to help us? So we look for God's hand in that. And then there is this, this, this question that uh, is asked of Elijah. What are you doing here? And I can only see initially that this is God's challenging Elijah and there's a bit of discipline in that. Then when Elijah is prepared to look at himself, um, God comes to him in this, this incredible way through the, the, this passage of power. And yet God is in the still small voice. Then it says Elijah comes out. Elijah goes out and stands before God. And the same questions are asked and the same, same answers are given, but in a very different context with a very different humility. So we have the, the meeting, the need, the discipline, uh, the meeting with God. God then gives answers to the problems. He will send Elisha to help uh, Elijah. And then thirdly, we have the re-equipping and the sending back out. And despite the failure, despite the weakness, that the sending back out. And the two principles to, to remember. We must be available. We must remember our calling. We must not look to go outside of our calling. There's always somebody who has a calling more powerful and higher than us, unless we're Jesus. And one could say that Elijah failed in many respects, but he got up and carried on and was obedient to his calling. And as such, is called and represents the prophets of the Old Testament. And if you read through the rest of the story, you see um, he has a unique um, ending to his life and uh, career as a prophet, which I'm sure we'll see at uh, another time. There's a lot to consider there. And as I was listening to this on Friday as well as today, I was thinking of Psalm 51, I think, or some other place like it. To obey is better than sacrifice. So let's just in silence, just for a minute, talk with God and say, Lord, I want to be obedient to you. I want to be obedient to the calling you've given me. Not to be scared, but to know that you're with me. And I want to be available for anything you ask me to do. So let's just in our hearts pray to God. Thank you, Lord, that you call us to be salt and light to those around us. We can't be different because we're the same as everyone else. But Lord, through you and you being in us, we know the difference can be made. So we do open our hearts and say, Lord, we want to be available for you to use and to be obedient. Lord, we think about our failings that we've had in the past, all of us. And we're sorry, Lord, for where we haven't put our best foot forward, but have lagged behind what you wanted us to do. Thank you, Lord, that just like with Elijah, you didn't say, that's that, you're on the scrap heap. We're so grateful that it's the same with us. Lead us onwards, Lord, as you create in us a clean heart and a new heart, a heart of flesh.
instead of a heart of stone. Amen. Oh, my God. 
just sit in silence maybe for a minute or less. But if God's given you something to say, then we can do that. We can read a scripture that you just think, yes, God's saying this to me. you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth Lord I need your power in my life come and fill me again and for all my friends here as well come and fill us again Lord Let's just think about that. It's great to be interacting. It's getting used to it again, isn't it? But let's just think about what Maggie said. And then maybe in a couple of minutes, if you feel God's saying something to you, look at the courage to say it as well. But let's just think about that word victory then. Mine leads on from, from Maggie in a way. Um, very much... What are you doing here from God? And it's wherever each one of us is, what are you doing here if it's a place of defeat and misery and I'm not going to play the game? What are you doing there? Because we have the victory. Um, And God's not being horrible. He's just saying, what are you doing? (laughs) What are you doing there? If you're in the right place, that's great. I'm here and I'm in the right place. But what are you doing wherever you are. So again, let's just think about that. And if it is something appropriate for you, say, yes, Lord, thank you for that encouragement. Now help me to be obedient.
having our hearts opened by you and things being dealt with. Lord, we glorify you and thank you. Amen. Come set your rule and reign in our hearts again. Increase in us, we pray. Unveil why we're made Come set our hearts ablaze with hope Like wildfire in our very souls Holy Spirit come invade us now For your church Oh, 
to do. Thank you that you have made us for a purpose. And it doesn't matter what we did yesterday or last week or any time gone. Lord, your purpose is still real and alive and well for today and for tomorrow. So Lord, we ask that you will speak to us. Help us to know what your purpose is today. Help us to follow you, to choose you, to determine to put you first to, to be the church that you want us to be, to be the individuals that you've called us to be. God, we are your church. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you have a plan. Lord, we want to walk in your plan. So help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>